Hey everyone, part three of my interview with Pastor Dave House from Church of the Living Christ. Be sure to share these um, podcasts with your friends, family, and uh, you know, don't forget to check us out on Patreon. Lots of good stuff there too. You fall into the theology pit. All deep. You fall in the theology pit. Welcome back to The Theology Pit. This is Theology Out of Pittsburgh, and not to be confused with The Bottomless Pit, because you know what we say, when you fall into a bottomless pit, you die of dehydration. I'm your friendly neighborhood podcaster, host, uh, theologian, pastor, Samson Kovach, coming at you. Hey, don't forget about Divergent Theology. We got um, that series going on here where we're talking about sola fide or faith alone, my denial of it and what I think about it, why I think that the people saying that they are justified by their faith in Jesus Christ alone is illogical, unbiblical. We shouldn't be saying that. We need to understand the relationship between between faith and justification in a different way. Check that out. Also, um, this interview, if you like it and you're like, you know what? I really want to hear the end of it. I really want to get to where he asked you about Black Lives Matter movement and, and you know, what, what you think about that. Go to Patreon, you know, five bucks a month, and you get these interviews in their entirety without interruptions, completely uncut. Man, without any further ado, let's continue on with our interview. Pastors are those people who are with people when their loved one passes away. Mm-hmm. They go and they visit in the hospital. They are ones that have to put out fires all over the place in the church. They pat butts, not literally, mm-hmm. but basically you that's what you have to do. And most people that are not called would not have been given that ability to do those things you do it because you're called to do it and you love people mm-hmm. you know i came into this as a pastor's son who was a pastor's son who was a pastor's son who was a pastor's son i came yeah. into this knowing what i was getting into but i love people yeah, yeah. and so i'm called so I'm called. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, that's the idea of the scripturally ordained minister serving the church. Divine healing of the sick is provided for in the atonement. Jesus mm-hmm. was all of those things for us. Yeah. Everything that happened to him, he was, okay. The eminent and blessed hope of the church is that it's going to be raptured out. We believe in the rapture, okay? I believe specifically that the rapture takes place whether it's now or later, the rapture is going to take place, and we need to be ready for it. Mm-hmm. The church is going because I here's another thing that I believe. I believe, and it's scripturally sound, is that when the church leaves, the Holy Spirit leaves. Mm-hmm. When the Holy Spirit's gone, whoa, look out. Okay, so that's that's where we base our, our and that's and that's a. Uh part of a confessional like a pentecostal confessional like you have to sign on to that because in we in, teach it because in, in in our tradition if if you want to hold to a rapture or not it's it's not a deal breaker with us no it's, it's not. not it's and it's, neither is this yeah it, i mean if you want i believe in that yeah we i mean we stop at the you know eminent 
return. Yes, he's coming. Whether the it's the mechanism, I've had some pastors post. tell me they're like, "Listen, I'm, I'm, you know, a, um, uh, what is it, a um, uh, mid tribulation, post tribulation." Yeah, I think they said that they were like pan tribulation. It'll, it'll all pan, it'll pan out. out. Yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. how, but I, I've, yeah. you know, I have three chances to be wrong. I mean, that's kind of it. And 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 so to make it part of uh, like a statement of faith. You know, it, it can be a double-edged sword because it can be like, well, this is we want people to know what we believe, but at the same time, you don't want people to read something like that and say, well, I guess I can't be a part of this church. No, without even talking to you, they no. would they would read that and say, no. Well, actually, what happens is they got to go through classes with me mm-hmm. to become a member. Well, I mean, even if they if if they came to your church, if they grabbed something like this to say, well, what does this church believe? And they read something like that, and they were like, oh. I guess I can't. We be, we be believe we in the imminent and blessed hope of the church. Mm-hmm. That's the rapture preceding the bodily return of Christ to the earth. That's what we believe. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying we have we have things like. But you don't have faith. to attain to that to be a part of our fellowship. Yeah, that's and that's not what I'm getting at because we have things in our statement of faith that I don't like because. <laughs> And, and I, well, I've talked to Eco about that, and they understand why. And I said, this is unnecessarily divisive to put this in here without any explanation. Okay. And so for us to say that, and I mean, one of the things is the uh, biblical definition of marriage. I said, yeah, I hold to that. We do, but why is it put in the, in the same area of prominence as the Bible being the Word of God or Christ being our Savior? When you, when you put it in that same category— People look at that and and without even talking to you say, oh, this means that. And so therefore, you know, I have to. I, I just feel that it's 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 a, a bad placement. So people may stay away unnecessarily just because they read that without even talking. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I just wonder if you ever, well, you probably wouldn't know if you ever ran across anything like that because anybody that would come to you would... Yeah, more, uh, more than likely. If they come and, you know, I don't preach on that all the time. I, I stay away from those things because mm-hmm. basically our main emphasis ought to be, I mean, I teach on them periodically, but yeah, yeah, yeah. my our main do. emphasis yeah. ought to be on salvation. Yeah, yeah. Our, and, and yeah, there's, I heard it, there's really like three sermons that every pastor has. And he just gives them over and over again in different yeah, ways. And, well. and that's it. And, and really stuff like that. Um, honestly, I in teaching and in classes within the church in discipleship, that's where we really get yes, into that. From the pulpit, same it's thing. it's different. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, here. yeah, but same thing here. Please continue. Um, and then, of course, their one of their statements is the rapture of the church. One of our statements, mm-hmm. one I've attained to this, the rapture of the church will be followed by the visible visible return of Christ and His reign on the earth for a thousand years. The Bible says that. There will be a final judgment and eternal damnation for the wicked dead. The wicked dead. We understand that there is, our belief system is there's no universalism involved in the kingdom of God. Okay, I'm going to leave it right there. You, I assume that your You people, can go deeper into it if you want. They can I assume that it, your I mean, people you know. understand what yeah. universalism is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so there will be future, uh, there will be a future new heaven and a new earth mm-hmm. wherein dwelleth righteousness, yeah. scripture. With well, eschatology, I mean, we had someone on that we had a discussion with who's a, um, an annihilationist. Oh. And, um, and just listening to... Where do you get the evidence from? Why? Yeah, learning about it. Like where, you know, where do you get from? And it's it, it's interesting. You know, people have that 
that particular they, they just have particular eschatological um, ideas but um, within his church you think annihilationism comes up in anything mm, no, no it doesn't it doesn't and and that's kind of the it only comes kind of up in uh, yeah. theology pits yeah well yeah <laughs> and, and in seminary when, and you ha- and right. when you have to learn about the stuff and and in, and in classes when you when you talk about right that, well, why do people hold to that and some of it you know you it's reasonable you think about it and you're like oh i can understand why someone would someone would that. grasp that yeah. and and more people is like you know what i'm maybe i'm agnostic about it I, I don't know whether people are annihilated or if it's an eternal torment i'm not sure some are like well yeah, I'm a universalist in that everybody universally exists, but where is the question? And that, uh, you know, if, if God is an all-consuming fire, then those who love him are part of him, and those who don't are close to him, and it's torture. And they ha- I mean, there's just this, this wide gamut. There's so many different wide, things. Wide or the thing, that, the thing that you wished for most in your life but uh, never could attain, you will dwell in. Yeah, and that's somebody's personal hell. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I mean, people yeah. understand hell. And, and in different my wife ways. is. I mean, she's confessedly she'll tell you that she's a hopeful universalist because just the idea of a human being being in eternal torment is just so, you know, emotionally distressing for her. Yeah, that she's like, I hope that we're wrong, <laughs> and that there is, you know, a, a type of, of of salvation or something, so somebody doesn't have to go through that, and that's. It's not a biblical argument in any way. It's it's just a, a personal emotional argument. I don't want to see anyone yeah. go to hell. Yeah. Like that's that's just absolutely yeah. well, awful. Well in Philippians chapter two, it does say every knee shall bow. Oh yeah. And yep. every tongue confess yep. that Jesus Christ is Lord. They're 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 going to do that, but what about the opportunity to receive him in the now? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of where the line is. And as I heard drawn. somebody say one time, either you're going to say to God, "Thy will be done," or God's going to say to you, "My will be done." Yeah, like well, that's 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 you know, that's, that's pretty it. much it. All right, so we went through the history, and uh, did you want to talk uh, a little bit more about the church that you serve at? Oh, the church! I, mean, I didn't yeah. really say anything. You about didn't know you went church through the, of the living Christ. The yeah, yeah, you touched on it a little bit, but you didn't really. Okay, you well, discuss it. you um, said you're fifth generation. Yes. So. Um, um, my uh, forefathers came. Four of them, through. because you're the fifth. I guess. <laughs> I guess I didn't really think about it. Uh, my uh, great, I'm my making it into a sermon. Fathers joke that were named <laughs> Howells came through, and if you if you read, uh, there is a book out there. It's called Reese Howells Intercessor. If you read that book, it's about the Great Welsh Revivals. Okay. And uh, Evan Roberts and Reese Howells, and I'm Welsh. The last name is Welsh. We came out of that idea, okay? Came okay. out of, can't specifically say probably we are related to. As a matter of fact, my f- second son is named Reese. Um, and so we probably came out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and are most likely related to them, okay? And so um, that idea of following in the footsteps of the forefathers, my father is still the pastor emeritus at the Church of the Living Christ. Okay. He fills in periodically. Mm-hmm. Um, so is the um, – your family, has it had the same – 
let, let's just say DNA of congregation for five generations, or have they planted different churches at different no, times? We, or we have come up community wise. Um, my grandfather, which would be my dad's mm-hmm. father, was past co-pastor with um, William Alexander at Bunker Hill Community Church, which is out in center. Okay, yeah. That yeah. Bunker Hill Community Church was built by my grandfather. Uh, we were a part of that, but we were exposed to the Holy Spirit. Okay. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And rather than to divide a congregation... We left. Some of the, unfortunately, some of the people that le- that that were there as a part of that fellowship left too. Mm-hmm. It was never the intention for that to happen. Okay. And my dad began to pastor in 1971. He pastored a New Life Temple, which then Church of the Living Christ was looking for a pastor down here in Bridgewater, and they invited him to come in. We had about 30 people. They had about 10 or so. Mm-hmm. And we come in and for a couple of months shared together. And from that point, 1971, it suddenly became uh, New Life Temple, the Church of the Living Christ. Wow. Wow, that was too yeah. long. Yeah, yeah. So they cut it back to Church of the Living Christ eventually, added on in 1976. But it has always been a Pentecostal, okay. full gospel church. Okay. Um, once having come into it, at Bunker Hill Community Church, but before that it was community, and before that it was community. Mm. Okay, so that is my introduction. Somewhere down the line, there was a uh, alliance affiliation. Okay, okay. Somewhere down the line, I don't know exactly where that. Is. I haven't pursued it. When I retire and get old, maybe I'll pursue it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, but that's our church. Our church is wrapped up in the idea that we love everybody. It's the love of God. We receive everyone. Mm-hmm. We receive everyone, and I mean everyone. From the vilest of sinners to the ones who think they're the best, okay? We raise up the vilest offenders, and we yep. bring down the ones who think they got so it So you all. would even accept people like me who are so humble, you are so humble. And the most humble person. The most humble person met. I ever and, met. And, you know, and if I don't say it, nobody will. So. <laughs> Not. But anyway. But yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's our foundings. Okay. And you've been the pastor there for how long? Like uh, how, since 2004. Senior pastor role. I have the okay. senior pastor role. Since My dad retired. Okay. And I took over in 2004. However, I was on staffs before that. Yeah. I was yeah. part of Eagle Lake First Assembly. In Eagle Lake, Florida. Okay. If you blink, you miss it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, I became part of the Fellowship Network. That's where I'm at now. Okay, all right. So um, to then jump into the next part of this, um, kind of looking over, you know, what you presented here and, and what you are. Um, you know, you talked about leaning a little bit more Arminian. You talked about uh, baptism by full immersion. Talked about a lot. Why aren't you just Baptist? What, I mean, what separates you from a Baptist? The Theology Pit is a partner-funded ministry. Please consider partnering with us by making a donation at thetheologypit.com. 
Just scroll to the bottom of the page, hit the donate button, and make a contribution to the best Theology Pit podcast on the internet. Now let's get back to the show. What separates you from a Baptist? The, like whole, the, the, Baptist. the holiness idea. Okay, the holiness idea. The holiness idea. So there are no Baptists that, that you know of that, that hold to that. Are holy? No, well, no, no, I would hold. say Baptists could, could, can be holy. No, I'm no, just saying the that holiness the, idea. the holiness idea was what separated us in, at the beginning. Because you have the Holiness Wesleyan movement. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, there's many different kinds of Pentecostal. There's the mm-hmm. Pentecostal holiness. There's the Pentecostal Church of God. There's mm-hmm. a Pentecostal Church of God in Christ. There's yeah. the, okay, so you can name, the, and then there's the Oneness Church. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm a Pentecostal baptized in Jesus' name. You know, that whole idea, baptized in Jesus' name. No, Jesus gave us the formula. It was in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost. We have that as our formula. Okay. And so the idea of that full immersion is that, like I shared before, one goes down, comes up different. Yeah, yeah. But that's not salvation. No, no, but that's um, that's to symbolize the death going under the ground and the raising and coming out, yes. which I always thought was very weird because <laughs> um, Jesus wasn't underground. He was in a tomb. I mean, yeah. wouldn't, it, wouldn't it make more sense to like walk through a waterfall or something? Yeah, maybe. Like, I mean, walk around a waterfall. That would be, I think that would give more of the image. Maybe, but, but you know, know our, our situations you know. are uh, relative to what you have. Yeah. Yeah, what what you use, what you do. You well, know. we have falls around here. Yeah, you go to Buttermilk Falls every now and again. But, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> what comes over that is not not so yeah. good. Well, you know, just uh, bless it; it'll be fine. <laughs> but um, no, but it's just it, it's it's just that we take this um, understanding of the way we practice burial, and then we impose that onto onto scripture in a way that we do. Not saying that it's wrong. Not saying we should. I'm just I, I just always found that interesting. That I was like, well, he's putting a tomb and a rock was laid, and he came out of that. So technically, you know, we should probably be doing it like that. But then again, the tomb in in some thought is the watery tomb. The tomb, you know, being laid in and completely covered by the water is. Is the idea of the tomb? Oh yeah, I, no, I totally get it. Yeah. I totally get it. But also, yeah. um, you know, communion was a meal. It was yes, a, it was. It was a big dinner. We don't do that no. either every Sunday. So we. But we, if you, you remember, know. I'm going to bring back to your remembrance sure. about Paul mm-hmm. and how he said, "Wait a minute, this is not. This is not like you're doing in 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 First Corinthians. Some of you are bringing a full meal." To church and participate and leaving the poor out. You're not giving them part of whatever. That was the whole idea surrounding the his formula for. The, uh, well, yeah, yeah. Partly, I mean, because what would happen is there would be this dinner set up. Those who were more wealthy could get there earlier because they didn't have to work as long. Yeah, and they would eat everything. And those who had been fasting all day. In order to get there, we get, and there was nothing left for There them. was nothing. Um, and, and you find that problem um, in our, our, our Greek exegesis class. We had to translate some of the didache, which is, um, just for the listener's sake, is like a, a second century handbook on how to be a good Christian. And what we noticed were two things. Number one, it was in a highly Jewish uh, manner. They um, partook of the uh, wine first and then the bread. Yeah. 
So it's reverse of the way that we yeah. do it. But they were having these problems, and that's why they were very specific on um, how long you would fast, waiting for everyone to get together. For every, I mean, it's it's spelled out because of the problem of, yeah, people are fasting until they get there. But you know, don't some, eat don't eat it before yeah, they some don't eat right it all. and and the the house could only fit so many people inside and the ones that were outside were generally the poorer that got there later and people were becoming sick and dying because they weren't eating sometimes for days. And that's and, the reason for the scripture afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And some are weak and sickly. Yeah, and when Paul's saying you, you really have to consider the body yeah. when you're doing this. Exactly. And, and, and so Christ, sometimes yeah. we change things up. I mean, right now we're doing the COVID thing. Can I just say that we're doing the COVID thing, yeah. the little cups, you we know, got, with got the, right over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we're so, we're yeah. doing we're doing that, yeah. but a normal like the Last Supper that we would share on Monday Thursday before. Mm, yeah, okay, yeah. We, we would, you do would a full seder meal. No, not a full seder okay, meal, okay. but we would do more like the full loaf of bread. Oh, okay. Broken into pieces. Yeah. and taken that way. You know, um, I've never been into and felt comfortable with the idea of offering. Uh, we don't use wine. We use juice. Offering the juice. You use juice to somebody. Yeah. What? Great. Bible juice. says wine. I know it does. It does. It's but if you look at about? it, there's two forms of wine. Yeah, it's oinos, and this is after the seder meal, which is the Jewish celebration, which is alcoholic wine. Yeah. It very much is. No, whatever, I'm, just, I'm just whatever, kidding. I'm just whatever kidding. you yeah. choose to do is fine with me. I I got no problem. We choose to yeah. do it this way. Yeah, that's that's fine. Um, but, it's, just, it's just funny with because um, I've talked with some people that are just very literal biblicists. Yeah. And then you say, well, do you use wine? No, no, it's grape juice. It's like, what's the word in your Bible? Again? Yeah, and exactly. Wow. Exactly. You know. We no, just I choose understand. to do that. I'm not, yeah, I'm not that strict on and this that, stuff. And that's fine. And yeah. but, uh, but understanding that, um, you know. But in the COVID time of COVID, alcohol kills germs. Just saying. Yeah, it does. Yeah, so. It does. But. <laughs> We've got the little individual <laughs> servings that we're doing now, no. but we're you know we're doing it every service now. Oh, that's that's nice. I we would, are I'd like doing do that, it yeah. every service. Just just up. finding the little cups is hard now. Yeah. Side question. Yeah. What do you think of the taste? <laughs> Those wafers are awful. They're terrible. They. I mean, it's like styrofoam. Or but they make a nice snapping they're... sound whenever oh, you say and broke. I. <laughs> I, I have showbread that when I do oh, okay. it, like I will have a, a, a loaf and break it and I'll, okay. I'll eat it later on and like yeah, take it home or have the kids eat it or something. But um, but I'm like, I'm like, yeah, because we had somewhere. I don't know what happened, but my little cup, the wafer must have slipped before they sealed it. And I just had this little sliver that was in there when I took it out. And I was like, well, boy, I'm glad I have this loaf in front of me. I can take yeah, it. Right. From. But I watched my congregation put it in their mouth and the look on their face. I mean, it's like it was like if you if you ever shot a uh, cat with a squirt gun in the face, like ah, ah, you know they yeah. got this look on their face, like what is this? Abs what am I? Saying? And it's absolutely. it's so hard to chew and just do, yeah, so absolutely needs a better quality. So anyway, that's yeah. that's uh, we've chosen to do that every regular service. Mm. So I do that on Thursday nights. Yep, we do that on Sundays. If we're there on Sunday night, yeah, we do it then. We were taking it when we were away from the church. We were taking it at our homes, but mm -hmm. we were using whatever somebody had. Yeah. yeah. Didn't have to be specific. You know, if you had Mountain Dew, use the Mountain Dew. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, it was that we were remembering. We were participating until COVID. Mm -hmm. We've taken, I've taken the idea. I felt like God was sharing that with me um, through the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to take communion. And I, I said in my head. 
I said, does that, are you talking to me? Or are you talking to the church? Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was the church. Yeah. And so we've chosen to do that. And the church has come really along with that. Yeah. See, we have seen some great things. See, I came from, um, like I came here you know, from school and in school, um, we celebrated the Eucharist every week. Every, every Wednesday we did because as a seminary, you're training people to be priests and pastors. You have to have a full service for people to practice. We always said this is the place to make mistakes. Right, we're learning exactly. how to uh, yeah. we're learning how to do all this. So there are some weeks, you know, every week at least once, but a lot of times twice a week. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm taking communion, and so when I when I came here, they say, well, we do it quarterly. I said, I'm used to doing it weekly, sometimes twice a week. Let's split the difference and do it monthly. That's what our normal and, process is. Yeah, and when is. we start doing that. But they know, I mean, you talk to any of the elders, they know very well that I would like to do it every single week. I would mm-hmm. like it to be part of every single service. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's just a matter of finding that compromise, finding that balance. But yeah. it's just as as often as you do this, do it, do it in remembrance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that's, and so that's, 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 I think it's very important, yeah. especially in light of what's happening today. Yeah, yeah. So. Which is why you need to get um, silver chalices with wine in there that kills the germs. And that's that's what it is. You can taint if you like. You can you can do that. So um, the next question that I have, or the next uh, section of trends, we 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 kind of got on this a little bit. We talked about it a little bit, but um, the the Bible, the way that it's understood in your in your church, we, we're not going to talk tradition as a whole. Just your your church personally, how it's understood, and the prominence that it has. We you know we touched on that a bit. Uh, but I'm also curious, along with that, um, translations. Like what? Like what translations? Translations. Do? Yeah. Okay. Um, I come from a background of the King James version. Mm-hmm. However, when I was in uh, my undergrad and my aftergrad—that's why I call it—undergrad <laughs> um, and aftergrad. Yeah. Um, I started to enjoy other interpretations. Uh, however, I, I, at my uh, the uh, institute and seminary where I received my master's degree, um, they said you could use whatever you wanted. Uh, where where I got my under degree, I graduated from uh, Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. Mm-hmm. And um, I was exposed to the New American Standard Bible. And I liked it because I thought it was closer to the original. Mm-hmm. And so I used the, when I preach, I used the New American Standard Bible. Actually, I used the New American Standard updated <laughs> version. Okay. I haven't I haven't looked at the updated one. Yeah, so yeah. it's basically the same. Did they, they smooth it out? Because I know... The one thing I didn't like about the New American Standard for people, I, I, I tell them it's good for study. It's not good for reading just because it's written in an English that nobody speaks. Yeah, basically. Like you would have him, uh, Jesus answered him and said. But well, when. What, what did he do? Did he answer him or did he say? We don't need two verbs. Yeah. What's going on? I know in Greek that makes sense, but what what's going on right. here? And so, um, yeah, for study. What's in our pews? Things. You want to know what's in our pews? Sure. In our pews, you'll find the NIV. Uh the New International Version, we have that. But I also study, when I study, I use my main text from the New American Standard, which was a compromise for me to from the King James. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so going down King James to New American Standard, um, uh, I also look at other ones. I, I'm not into the the message, even though occasionally it's not really a Bible; it's a commentary mm-hmm. on on the Word of God. Though sometimes the message describes that passage almost better than the passage itself says, you know, and so um, I don't preach from the message, and a lot of times I don't even use it, but I like to read it for my own yeah. purpose, uh, but I also like the New Living Translation, um, and it's more today's language. I like it, but I read it along. Thank you for listening to The Theology Pit. Please take a moment to rate our podcast and leave a comment about what you like or what you don't like. Each rating and comment helps others discover this show. Don't forget to visit us at thetheologypit.com to make a donation. While on the website, we would appreciate it if you would share these podcasts with your friends and family on social media. Our Facebook page is also titled The Theology Pit. Stop over and give us a like. If you have any questions or topics you would like to hear discussed on the podcast, please write to samson at thetheologypit.com. That's samson, spelled S-A-M-S-O-N, at thetheologypit.com. Now, here's a preview of next week's show. Be deceived. Mm-hmm. So I don't allow myself to be deceived. Have you, um, have you looked at the Net Bible, N-E-T, the New English Translation? I have seen that. I haven't that, put much into it. That's one of my favorite because... Um, of the notes. The notes are translators' notes on why they chose the words that they did and what other ways of translating it, it could be and, and where it comes from. Um, and I found that to be really helpful because I can I can read it and I can understand. Also, you know, um, having a, a background in Greek like that, you know, yeah. hel- helps aid as well. But um, this and more on the next that, Theology Pit. Um,